0: Well, hello there and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host and resident radio nut. And I I am joined today once again by Miss Elva Green, Eddie Green's daughter. And we are going to tiptoe into the delicate subject of Amos and Andy. Eddie Green appeared as a character on the show, Amos and Andy, Uh, Stonewall, the lawyer was his character. Elva, tell us your, your feelings about Amos and Andy and what, what this must have meant to your father, because Amos and Andy, despite all the controversy that's going on with it now and how it's regarded now, Amos and Andy was probably the single most popular radio program of all time.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um... What I learned while I was researching Eddie was that that Amos and Andy show was so popular that even if you were at the theater watching a movie, I guess they had movies, silent talkies or whatever, but they would stop the show for the whole time that that Amos and Andy was on.
0: Yeah, they did that because if they didn't do that, nobody would go to the movies during the time that Amos and Andy was on. And the theater owners wanted to make sure that they could assure their patrons that if they would uh, come to the movies, they would stop the film so that they could listen to Amos and Andy. And then they would resume the film afterwards and nobody would miss Amos and Andy. I mean, that tells you how popular that show was. Exactly. And that
1: I, th- that was amazing to me, you know, that they would that they would do that, that the show is so popular. And, you know, Eddie was trying to succeed in his life. He was trying to become something. You know, he came from poverty. in 1891. he, he was born in Baltimore. They didn't have um, sewers or the sewers ran all out in the street. They didn't have you know bathrooms. they had sewers. And so you know by by the age of nine he wanted to get out of there and he was trying to make something of himself. And Amos and Andy was you know a step towards becoming successful. and I really don't think that Eddie had a problem with race i don't think he had a problem with with working with people with anybody today like you can see a picture of eddie on the stage you know everybody around him is white and he's the only little short black dude but you know he was so funny that was a a major show and you know why not be on that show even though there's two white guys pretending to be black. (laughs) You know, that's how people made their money. And I don't think that bothered Eddie at all.
0: Well, that's nice to hear. um, And I'm glad you said it on this program so that we can kind of clear the air about these type of things because the show has attracted kind of a (laughs) bad reputation uh, in, in the decades since it's been on. and. Actually, if people would just sit and listen to it and just don't think about the idea that somehow this is some kind of a weird prejudiced thing, just listen to the writing, listen to the production, and listen to how it actually does indeed portray the characters, I think that it's been given a bad rap.
1: Yes, and I um, spoke to a a uh, newscaster from Channel 5. He was at a book convention at USC, and um, I was talking to him about Eddie being on Amos and Andy, and he told me that he didn't even know that there were black people on the Amos and Andy radio show.
0: Um, well, yes, and Eddie wasn't the only one. Um, no. The woman that played Sapphire, I believe, was African-American as well, and there may have been a couple more.
1: Exactly. Well, I just way. I just want
0: the people listening to this to realize how big and how popular Amos and Andy was when it was on, and once you hear it and hear how well-written it is, uh, you can see why it was so popular, and that your father would land a role on that show, and a prominent role on that show, was a gigantic accomplishment for his career.
1: Exactly. And, and my mother never said anything, and I never read anything about Eddie having a problem with people or with what he was doing or how he, you know, portrayed himself. You know, he did what was necessary to be on the stage and to further his career.
2: Yeah, of and, course. And,
1: um, you know, I... I even I read articles where people said Eddie was just a regular guy. You know, he was a funny man. He was a regular guy. He got along with everybody.
0: Well, and, that's wonderful to hear. It comes across in his performances that we've heard. Um, we're going to listen to an episode of Amos and Andy now together. Uh, this is the first time that we've played an Amos and Andy show here at the good old days of radio show. And we picked a good one, or you picked a good one. It's from Uh, December twenty sixth, 1948. And, of course, Eddie Green is Stonewall the Lawyer. That's his character on this show. And he was on the Amos Andy show for multiple years playing Stonewall the Lawyer. So when you listen to it and you hear Stonewall the Lawyer, that is Mr. Eddie Green. And so, Alva, we're going to hear that now, and then we'll have some comments afterwards. All right. Say, Amos, this seems like Sunday.
3: Well, it is Sunday. You see, Andy, we is on the radio now every Sunday on CBS for
4: Rinso. That's right. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of new Rinso with Solium, brings you the show selected by you listeners as the best Amos and Andy program of 1948. <laughs> Yes, sir. Rinso, the soap that contains solium. The sunlight ingredient brings you a full half hour of entertainment with Lou Lubin, Eddie Green, Ernestine Wade, the Jubilaires, Jeff Alexander's orchestra and chorus, and radio's all-time favorites, Amos and Andy. The Kingfish, as head of the lodge, has asked a few of the members to come over to the lodge hall on a very important matter. They met at 8 o'clock in the evening, and now at 2.30 in the morning, they are still gathered around the conference table, diligently pursuing the business at hand. Well, Brother Ender, what do you say? I got a
5: pair of aces. <laughs>
2: uh,
5: what you got, Henry?
6: I've got three jacks.
3: Too bad, boys. I got a full house, three nines and two tens.
6: Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold the pot, fellas. Hold, hold the pot. Hold it. Hold it.
5: Hold it. Uh, what you got, Shorty? I,
6: I got four of a cards. I got a three. I got a first
2: gun
3: with a, I got a royal. I got six cards. Uh, wait a minute, old. That puts you out of the pot, Shorty. Well, that's my pot again, boys. Yeah, well, it's getting pretty late, too. I think we ought to call it quits. I've really been lucky tonight.
6: Yeah,
5: I ain't won a pot all evening. I done lost eight stacks.
6: Yeah, I lost four stacks myself. Yes, and I'm out six stacks. You was the only winner, Kingfish. You cleaned everybody. How much did it amount to?
3: Well, now, let me see here. I win 18 stacks. Uh, 100 to a stack, 18, 11, 22, 47,
6: 822. Boys, you owe me eight cents. Here, here's mine.
5: Yeah, put it in the middle of the table, boy. Well, here you are. Yeah, there he is, Kingfish. Grand total's eight cents.
6: Well, it's late, fellas. I- I- I'm going to get on home. Now,
5: wait a minute, Shorty. I'm going the same direction. I'll go with you. Yes, and
6: I'm going too, boys. Good night, Kingfish.
3: So, so long, Kingfish. Oh, so long, boys. So long, so long. Eight cents. One, two, three, and a nickel. Uh, wait a minute, sir. Here. This here's a lead nickel. <laughs> now, how you like them cheats? Of all the low-down, sneaky, good-for-nothing tricks, a lead nickel. Serves them right that I was dealing off the bottom of the deck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's three o'clock in the
3: morning. I certainly hope that my wife Sapphire is asleep.
7: Uh, hello there, honey. Uh, uh,
3: uh just playing a little innocent cards, honey. Uh, what you putting on the light for now? What you mad about?
7: I've been waiting up for you for five hours.
3: Yeah, well, now, uh, what you been waiting up for, honey?
7: Because this come in the mail today.
3: Oh, I didn't get a chance to see the afternoon mail, uh.
7: This was addressed to you, and I opened it by mistake. It's a New Year's card for you signed from one who loves you. Your sweetheart.
3: Well, uh, uh, now, uh, honey, uh, 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 somebody playing... uh, 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 uh,
7: (laughs) George Stevens, I ain't so sure. You've been out late three, four nights in the past two weeks. How do I know you've been playing cards?
3: Well, there was nothing else for me to do, honey. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you you has been out in the evenings working uh, on this welfare fund.
7: From one who loves you, your sweetheart. This female meant this to be
3: sincere. Yeah, but, darling, I, I know uh, I, I wouldn't even look at another woman, though, honey.
7: Oh, no? What about that party we went to the other night when that young girl walked in in that form-fitting, hand-knitted dress she claimed she made herself? You didn't take your eyes off of her all evening.
3: Honey, believe me, I was just trying to see what stitch she used. That's all I was to <laughs> say. <laughs> now, listen, George,
7: it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I ain't going to get excited about this. But if this card is from a girl, I'll break your neck.
3: Well, I guarantee, honey, I'll find out who sent me that New Year's card.
7: You better find out who it's from. Good night.
3: Sweetheart, till we meet
2: tomorrow.
3: Uh, Come
5: in, uh, Ender. Yeah, hi, Kingfish,
3: hiya. Ender, did you or anybody you know send me a New Year's
5: card? I know, Kingfish. What's the matter?
3: Oh, somebody played a dirty trick on me. I got a New Year's card in the mail, and it looked like the thing is from some gal. Oh, my wife Sapphire sees the thing, and she's raving mad. Well, who signed it? Uh, No signature. It was autonomous.
2: Oh. Uh, Selfie, (laughs) sit down the
3: bottom from One Who Loves You, Your Sweetheart.
5: Yeah, well, a thing like that can cause serious reconcussions at home, all right. <laughs> what are you going to do about it?
3: Well, uh, I heard of a married man over here that got a New Year's card from a strange gal, and his wife found it out, so I done sent Lightning over to talk to him to see how he straightened it out with his wife,
5: Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. got to try everything, all right. Uh, what is all this mess you got here?
3: Well, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I just got this uh, out of the closet here. It's, uh, it's a box, that. It's uh, some old pictures uh, and uh, dresses in there, some uh, of gals that I used to go with before I was married, you see. Yeah. Well, I want to see if one of them could have sent it to me.
5: Yeah, I can't tell. Maybe one of them old gals is still unsaturated, would you?
3: <laughs> well, uh, uh, let's see here now. Uh, uh, here's a picture of a gal, but she's married and lives in California. Couldn't have been her.
5: Holy mackerel, look at this next picture. Did you know a dame as ugly as this one? Andrew, that happens to be a picture of my wife, Sapphire. Pretty, pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's pretty, yeah. I guess I had it upside down or something, can't hey, uh, Look at here in this memory book, Andrew. Oh, yeah. There's a beautiful lock of hair. You hmm. show was a romantic lover. What gal gave you this hair? Gal, nothing. That's my hair. Well, why would you put a lock of your hair in your memory book? Well, if my hair ain't a memory, I don't know what's his now. Let's Boy, look at this address book you got here yeah. You really know some gals Look here, Gloria Armstrong Tall girl, brown eyes, good dancer But be careful Can punch from sitting position
3: I'm going to tell you something, boy This is serious, you know what? Uh, Wait a minute, uh, come in uh, Come in, did you get that information from Enlightenment?
8: Lightning? Uh, Brother King, I went over to see that married man That got a card from some gal But
3: I couldn't see him you don't do nothing right, Lightning. I sent you over to find out from the man how he straightened the mess out with his wife, and you come back here without seeing him.
2: Well,
8: he didn't straighten it out. His wife did.
3: Uh, how? She shot him.
5: <laughs> oh, me. Get out of here, Lightning.
8: I uh, yes, sir.
9: I'll whiz right on out.
5: Say, hey, Kingfish, uh, why is your eye so big?
3: Listen, Andy, on account of burglaries in the neighborhood lately... I gave my wife a thirty-two revolver for Christmas. Sure enough. Andy, uh, if you see a strange gal crying at my funeral, tell her I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to thank her for the
5: card, will
2: you?
9: Oh, what did Ezekiel say when he saw the chariot rolling? Said I want to go home to God. Gl- Why don't you swing down, sweet cherry stoppin', let me ride? Swing Swing down, cherry stoppin', let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock Rock me, Lord, come and easy. I've got home on the other side. Why don't you swing down, sweet cherry stoppin', let me ride? Swing down, cherry stoppin', let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord, come Lord, come and easy. I've got home the Well, Ezekiel was out in the middle of the field He saw an angel working on the chariot wheel Wasn't too particular about the chariot wheel Just wanted to see how a chariot field. Why don't you swing Oh, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home, sweet Cherry coming for to carry me home. Well, as the hill went down swing, and got on board, swing, the Chariot went swing, bumping, do 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 bones down the road. Wasn't too particular about bumping down the road, just morning run, to lay down swing, his heavy load. Why don't you swing down, sweet cherry and let me ride. Swing, swing down, chariot's and let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock, rock me, Lord. lord. Oh. Come and easy. I've got home on the other side. On the other side, I've got my home. I've got my home on the other side. If I could just make it in.
10: Well, yesterday was Christmas, and tomorrow is wash day. Santa has had his turn at bringing you happiness, and now it's going to be mine, John Lakes. Yes, if you do your Monday wash with new Rinso, as I sincerely advise you to, you'll have a mighty pleasant wash day, and as beautiful a wash as you can get. You see, new Rinso, the rinso you get in the store today, contains the rather amazing scientific sunlight ingredient, solium. Actually, Rinso with Solium gets your clothes not just whiter, but whiter than new. Now, I know that sounds like a perfectly astonishing thing, but it's true. And it's been proved beyond a doubt. Your gay washable colors too turn out not just brighter, but brighter than the day you first wore. Rinso with Solium puts sunshine in your wash, even if that wash is dried indoors. Rinso is safe for all your family wash, so kind to of your hands. So tomorrow, be sure to do that wash with New Rinso. the only soap that contains solium.
3: Well, come on Andy. let's go in the shortest barbershop here and see by any chance he knows who done sent me that card. Yeah, let's do that.
6: Well, hello there, Shorty. Hi, fellas. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came in. I'm going I to tell you what happened just outside the shop here. There was two cars coming from both of them. Was, uh, there was a fellow with a gun. He, he was a white. He started. Uh, the fire department had to put out a they, they, they were. They were I, 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 stop interrupting me, will you?
2: <laughs>
5: Listen, Shorty. Listen here. Whatever happened, it ain't as important as what happened to the kingfish. He wants to speak to you about a New Year's card that he got in the mail.
6: Yeah. Say, speaking of New Year's cards, fellas, I, I, I just got one in the mail a few minutes ago. Here it is, I'll read it to you. Oh, it's really lovely. Now,
3: yeah, uh, what is the thing?
6: Oh, it's from Frank R. Thompson. You, you know that undertaker and funeral director that's up the block?
3: Oh, yeah, I know that undertaker. What did the card say? Oh,
6: it's beautiful. Listen, listen, listen it says, Happy thoughts at the old year's end. For long I've been your trusted friend. And here's my thought for 49. Perhaps this year you will be mine.
5: <laughs> yeah, Shorty, that's a beautiful thought, all
6: right. Uh, Shorty,
3: I've been trying to find out who sent me a New Year's card signed Joe's Sweetheart. I don't know whether it was a joke or if it's from some gal that I ain't seen for a long time.
6: Hey, wait a minute, Ken Don't you remember a gal by the name of Helen Jackson? Oh,
3: yeah, I used to go with her, but before I married and uh, met Sapphire, but... But she lived down in Georgia. Yeah,
6: I, I know, but about a month ago, she, she come to New York, you know. She's living in that apartment over the new drugstore. I mean, maybe she sent it. I, I, I don't think she knows you as married.
3: Yeah, Helen Jackson, come to think of it, she used to call me, sweetheart. Mm. I think I'll drop over and see her this evening and see if she sent it. My wife will be out doing welfare
5: work. I'll tell her that I going to a lodge meeting. Yeah, that might be a good lead for the king first, Shorty.
6: Yeah. Well, boys, I, I'm going to close up the shop here. I'm, I'm, I'm tired.
5: Uh, Shorty, look here, you was one of the
3: hardest-working fellas I ever saw. Oh,
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm working too hard. Huh? But, but tomorrow, I'm, I'm getting something in the shop here that, that'll save me a lot of time and work, too. I, as a matter of fact, what I'm getting is, is going to make it possible for me to shave two customers at the same time.
3: You could shave two customers at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Well, what in the world is you getting, Shorty?
6: Oh, I'm getting me one of them great big... Uh, I'm getting a special 60 cycle... I'm getting one of them new electric... You push the button. You turn... You plug in... The, when you get... Another barber. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Shorty said that she lived in the apartment over the drugstore. Well, this must be Helen Jackson's place. If she's the one that sent that card. I can clear this thing up right now. Women do the craziest thing.
11: Uh, good evening.
3: Uh, excuse good evening. me, but is uh, you Helen Jackson?
11: That's right.
3: Uh, well, uh, 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 does you remember George Stevens from down in Georgia?
11: George Stevens. Why, well, of course I can see the resemblance. You must be his father. Uh, no, no, I am
3: George Stevens, uh, your old boyfriend.
11: Oh, yes, George, so yeah. Won't you come in? Yeah. Take off your hat and coat. Uh,
3: thank you very much. Yeah. Oh,
11: I'm sorry I didn't recognize you, George. I mean, Mr. Stevens, I, well, I hardly know what to call you. It's been years since we went together down in Georgia. Oh,
3: just call me the name you used to call me in them days.
11: All right. Well, how have you been, egghead? Uh, (laughs) uh, I
3: clean forgot about that one. Uh,
11: (laughs) uh, Helen, by any
3: chance, did you send me a New Year's card?
11: No, I didn't send you a New Year's card. Why would I? Uh, Uh, Oh, excuse me. Oh, hello.
7: Miss Jackson?
11: Yes.
7: Uh, This is Mrs. Stevens, the chairman of the local welfare fund. One of our workers said you had a box of clothes to donate.
11: That's right.
7: Well, I happen to be in the drugstore right under your apartment. I thought I'd come up and get your contribution. Well,
11: that'll be fine. You can come right on up.
7: All right, I'll be a fan, just a minute. All right. I'll expect
11: you. Goodbye, Mrs. Stevens.
3: Oh, uh, you see, Helen, the reason I asked you about the cord uh, the, uh, the cord uh, the, uh, did you just say, uh, goodbye, Mrs. Stevens? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Yeah, well, I guess there's a lot of Stevens in New York. And <laughs> telephone book must be loaded wouldn't it? Now, as I was saying about the New Year's card... Uh, uh,
11: she was down at the drugstore. She's on her way up here now. You see, she's the chairman of the local welfare committee, and I have some things for her.
3: Holy mackerel, that's the battle axe.
2: <laughs> I told
3: her that I was at a large meeting tonight. Oh, she'll never understand. Let me get out of here. But Egghead... Oh, wait a minute. Let me get down these steps Oh, me, I left my overcoat in Helen's apartment. I uh, just grabbing my overcoat. Holy smokes. I left my hat up there. Oh, uh, here's my hat. Now let me get out of here.
7: Excuse me, is this the apartment? Out of my of way, madam.
3: My wife's on the way up here.
7: George Stevens! Oh, uh, Sapphire. George, what you doing in this woman's apartment? Uh, well, I come
3: up here. I went over. I got <laughs>
7: What I thought was going on I'm going home right this second and start proceeding I'm gonna sue you for separate maintenance good night <laughs>
3: Boy, I tell you, Anna, this is the worst mess I've ever been in. After Sapphire caught me leaving the gal's apartment, she wouldn't even give me a chance to explain. She went right home to her mama.
5: Yeah, Kingfish, that's a mess, all right.
3: Yeah, but the worst thing is, she is suing me for separate maintenance. So far, I've been able to duck the process server that she got after me.
5: Yeah, a man looking for you with a summons, huh? Oh,
3: yeah, every time I see a strange man coming around the yard, jump in that closet and lock the door from the inside. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you could hide over... The- uh, wait wait a minute, Who that coming down the hall? Who, who, uh... Where? Oh, Fred Gwindell, the
5: newspaper man. Oh, yeah. Come in, Gwindell. Well, in.
3: hello there, boys. Hello. Greetings and salutations.
5: I suppose you come over here to get the newspaper story about Sapphire suing the kingfish for a separate mayonnaise.
2: Uh, uh, no, no, boy. No,
3: no. I tell you what, boys. I through with the newspaper. Yeah, well, that's good news to me. What happened? Uh, well, the editor wanted me to write a gossip column Telling about scandal About the married couples that I know in town That's having trouble And I just wouldn't do dirty tricks like that to my friends. So I quit my job at the newspaper
5: Well, now, that's what I call a gentleman and a true friend Sure is What kind of job you got now?
3: Uh, as a process server Here's your someone's kingfish See you in court <laughs>
10: You know, when I told a friend of my wife, said, new rinseo with solium, put sunshine in your wash even if it's dried indoors, she said, John Lake, that's the most wonderful thing I ever heard. You mean I can get a bright wash without getting my hands cold and raw, hanging the wash on the line? Yes, I said, and what's more, so in your wash, whether it's dried indoors or out, gets white clothes not just whiter, but whiter than new and washable colors not just brighter, but brighter than the day you bought them. New Rinseau, you see, contains the scientific sunlight ingredient, solium. It's the result of wartime research by the famous laboratories of Lever Brothers Company. Rinseau with solium gives your wash a new brilliance never known before New Rinseau was developed. That wonderful Rinseau brilliance must be seen to be appreciated. I think you'd better... Do your next wash with New Rinso. New Rinso is the only soap that contains solium.
12: As judge of this court, I would like to warn the spectators we will have no demonstration while Mrs. Stevens, the plaintiff, is on the stand. Will the attorney for the plaintiff, please proceed. Mrs. Stevens, do you think that you could finish telling the court what happened?
7: Well, Your Honor, I was collecting for the welfare fund. And when I reached the top of the steps by the door leading to Miss Jackson's apartment, the door opened and my husband come rushing out and almost knocked me down. He said, out of the way, madam. My wife is on her way up here. <laughs> I've seen him with my own eyes, and that's why I want separate maintenance.
12: That will be all. Does Mr. Stonewall, the attorney for the defendant, wish to cross-examine Mrs. Stevens?
7: No, no,
8: man. Don't use cross-examine her. She got the goods on
2: her.
12: That will be all. That will be all, Mr. Stevens.
3: Oh, uh, Stewin, Ward, I as nervous.
12: Yeah,
8: but I ain't worried, Kingfish. I got a perfect record in this court, and I'm out to win this case so I can break my losing
3: streak.
12: <laughs> if that Helen
3: Jackson hadn't gone out of town, she would have made a good
12: witness for us. Order in the court. Continuing with the case of Stevens versus Stevens, the attorney for the defense may now proceed.
8: Yon, I'd like to have my client George Stevens to take the stand.
5: Uh, coming. Uh Yes, uh, sir. Uh, uh come in right up yes. You. Raise your right hand. Uh you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you? Uh, yes, sir, yes. Now, now, Mr. Steven, in her complaint,
8: your wife stated that you were absent from your home on various occasions. She further implied that on these nights you was seeking feminine companionship with a beautiful girl. Was she, you rascal?
2: <laughs>
8: no, I was not. Nice going, bub. (laughs) Now, now, Mr. Stevens, will you tell us in your own words what happened the night you lied to your wife about going to a large meeting and went to see your sweetheart Helen Jackson instead?
2: Uh, Well, uh, uh,
3: I just went to see this Helen Jackson to find out if she sent me a New Year's card and signed it to your sweetheart. When she said she didn't, why, I rushed out of the apartment and I run into my wife just outside the apartment door.
8: Yeah, uh, Your Honor? That's my client's story, which shows exactly what his intentions was. Never for one moment what is his his plan to let his wife catch him in his girlfriend's apartment.
2: <laughs>
3: Wait a minute, Stone. Oh, don't
2: worry, client. We
8: got him rolling, huh? Your Honor? I would like to review the facts at this point. The evidence against my client shows first, he stayed out late night. Second, he lied to his wife.
2: <laughs> Third,
8: she caught him coming out of another woman's apartment. But now, let me list the overwhelming facts in favor of my client. Now, one, Mr. Stevens never—he uh, he wasn't. Uh, uh, your Honor, can we have a recess till I can think of something in favor my... Mind?
12: Well, I... This is very irregular. Your Honor, as attorney for the plaintiff in this case, could I have your permission to cross-examine the defendant for just a second before he leaves the stand? Uh, proceed with the cross-examination.
3: Well, it's doing more. Well. what must I do? Oh, don't worry, Kingfish. You say anything out of line, I'll object right off the bat. Yeah,
12: well, get ready to object, because he's going to start on me, uh... <laughs> Now, Mr. Stevens, you admitted that you were a friend of Helen Jackson's. You admitted that you were alone in her apartment with her. Now, Mr. Stevens, just how friendly were you? <laughs> well,
3: uh, you, are, they are. you see, they, they, are, 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 are. Stonewall, ain't you going to object to that question? No, man. I can't enjoy hearing the answer to that question. Do you
12: refuse to answer that question? Uh, Yes, I'm glad to refuse. Thank you for giving me the chance. (laughs) Now, Stevens, if this whole thing was so innocent as you claim, why did you attempt to run out of the apartment when you knew your wife was coming? I object, Your Honor. Why do you object to your client answering that question?
8: Because it'll hurt his reputation, which ain't too good as it is. besides, <laughs> that is irrelevant, immaterial, and several other things. And not only that, it's very embarrassing to the defendant.
12: Well, I don't see anything so embarrassing about it.
8: Your Honor, how would you like to get caught coming out of a dame's apartment?
12: If you don't watch your language in this court, you'll be cited for contempt. Well,
8: I'd like to apologize if I could. Your I...
7: Honor, Your Honor, could I interrupt this case?
12: Quiet. Quiet in this courtroom, please. Now, what is it, Mrs. Stevens?
7: When I got off the witness stand, there was a long-distance telephone call waiting for me from Miss Helen Jackson in Georgia. She'd heard about the case, and she's then explained everything, and I would like to drop the charges against my husband.
12: Well, Mrs. Stevens, it's the policy of this court to preserve the family unit whenever possible. It gives me pleasure to grant your request. Case dismissed. Oh,
2: well. <laughs>
3: Oh, Sapphire, Sapphire. Thank you, honey. Thank you.
7: George, I'm sorry I accused you of being involved with Helen Jackson.
3: Oh, gee, I is glad you talked to that gal, and she straightened it out, honey. I is the happiest man in the world to be back with you.
7: Oh, I'm glad you're happy, George. And I'm glad the trial is over. But there'll always be a little something in my mind wondering who the female was that sent you that New Year's card.
3: Honey, look here, you has got to get that out of your mind. (laughs) Well, Kingfish, me and Ruby is glad that you and Sapphire could come over for supper tonight and kind of celebrate you two getting back together again. Glad you could come, too, Ender.
5: Yeah, when are we going to eat round here, Amos? Uh,
3: well, uh, Sapphire's out in the kitchen now. Amos just said helping Ruby uh, ought to be pretty quick guess. Well, Kingfish, I bet you is glad that trial is over, ain't you? I say I is, boy. But there's still a little cloud hanging over Sapphire's head about that New Year's card. And over mine, too.
5: Don't give us that stuff, you old wolf. Ha, ha,
7: ha. <laughs> hey, boss. Ruby say if you boys is gonna make so much noise, you better close the door to the kids' room. They're going to sleep.
3: Oh, thank you, sir. I'll close the door, yeah.
7: Da, da, dee, dee, dee.
3: Look at that, fellas. There's my little daughter, Albedella, in there, saying a prayer. I'll close the door so she won't hear it.
11: And now, dear Lord... Please bless mama and daddy, our family, and all their friends. And I hope Uncle Kingfish enjoyed the New Year's card I sent him. Amen. <laughs>
3: what I like about our announcer John Lake is that he don't
5: try to beat you over the head when he sells you something. He don't have to. He just tells you the facts about new Rinso with Solium. The truth about that wonderful new Rinso is enough to make everybody want it.
10: Andy, you're right. Rinso is so marvelous that today more women use Rinso than any other wash day soap in the world. Only new Rinso contains Solium.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we are two very happy fellows Starting next Sunday and every Sunday thereafter, the Jack Benny Show and What a Show will be on the Columbia Broadcasting System just ahead of us.
5: Yes, sir. Next Sunday, you will get Jack Benny at the same time you always get him, but you'll get him on the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: Listen to CBS next Sunday for Jack Benny and Amos and Andy right together. So in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, a very happy New Year.
5: And that goes for everybody in the cast. See you next Sunday.
4: Jackpot on Sing It Again, heard on Saturday nights over CBS, is now worth $18,500. Here's a new clue to the Phantom Boys. She's what you call a real good looker who caught the eye of Adolf Zucker. Amazing? Yes, but doctors proved it. Life Boy Health Soap in Your Daily Bath gets skin cleaner, stops BO as no other leading soap can. Get Life Boy right away. Stay tuned in for the adventures of Sam Spade, which follow immediately over many of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Okay, Amos and Andy from December 26, 1948, CBS Radio Network. Now, that's significant because... The little announcement at the end about Jack Benny coming over to join CBS and coming on just before Amos and Andy. In 1948, NBC lost both Amos and Andy and uh, Jack Benny to CBS. CBS conducted uh, what's been called a talent raid. (laughs) and offered them much more money to come over to CBS radio rather than NBC radio. And so this was the first little announcement of Jack Benny coming over to CBS. Uh, Amos and Andy had already made the move from NBC to CBS. You heard Ernestine Wade as Sapphire in that program. And, of course, we heard um, the Jubilaires there as the – the gospel singers, um, Amos and Andy program had the Jubilaires and the Delta Rhythm Boys on the show. Um, I guess the Jubilaires came first and then the Delta Rhythm Boys came after, and they were very popular. And this is another example of Amos and Andy and the show promoting African-American artists on the program. Uh, the Delta mm-hmm. Rhythm Boys landed that spot as the gospel quartet to appear on the Amos and Andy show. And they were on for several years. And that really went to boost their career and boost their record sales and bring them a whole new audience that they didn't have before. Uh, Elva Green, uh, were you aware of all of this? I was not. Ah. Um, not
1: of the Delta Rhythm Boys. And now, and he did give credit to Ernestine Wade. I did hear that. Yes, I thought it was Amanda Wade, but it was Ernestine. No,
0: and I was a little confused at first. So yeah, it's Ernestine Wade playing Sapphire, and of course, um, your father Eddie Green playing Stonewall the lawyer, which was just great.
1: And I found the picture that my mom found in that book, and it has a picture of Charles Correll and. Uh, the other gentleman, got God's, Fre- Freeman
0: Gosden. Gosden. Yep. And
1: there's also Ruby Dandridge is in the picture. Yes. I, I'm not seeing the moment. picture, but
0: I know who Ruby Dandridge was. Yes.
1: Right. Uh, Roy Glenn and a guy called
0: Wonderful Smith. Yeah, Wonderful Smith was also on the Red Skelton show. He's a regular right. character on the Red Skelton radio program.
1: Right. So these are um, black people that were on this Ames yes. and Andy at the time when they were um, they were with New Rinseau. There's a New Rinseau sign in the background
0: yes. of this photo. Well, that would be the Rinseau years, I think, is 1947, 48 uh, onward. And then... Um, they were some sponsored by somebody else Rexall. after that. Rexall, Rexall, um, right, but, right. But Rinso, um, Rinso seemed to have them at their prime. Which to, uh-huh. to me, to me, those half-hour shows from the late forties are the real, really the the best of the Amos and Andy shows. And it's so great that your father had a, a, a prominent role in those until he passed away in nineteen fifty. Is yeah. that correct?
1: Yes. And as a matter of fact, I I wrote in my book that during this uh, episode or I'd say maybe a few months before, people had noticed that um, Eddie was he had started getting sick about this time, but he was still performing. He did uh, an engagement at Earl Carroll's famous Hollywood restaurant.
0: Yeah, they called it Uh, Earl Carroll Vanities.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, Yeah, he was there with uh, Eddie Anderson and Mabel Scott, Mantan Moreland,
0: Howard Duff. Howard Duff was Sam Spade. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, but yeah, he had just
1: started getting ill, getting sick around that time. And first he... He had to resign from Amos and Andy, and then he stayed with Duffy's Tavern until they were in Puerto Rico. Duffy had moved the show to Puerto Rico, and in May of 1950, Eddie had to leave. That's when he resigned from Duffy's Tavern, and and then he was and he died in September of 1950. What was his illness? Well, I have his death certificate, and it, he died from all different kind of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hypertension. Hyper, I couldn't read, you well, know. Hypertension, that's
0: high blood pressure.
1: Right. Um, and. He went into a coma, and his organs failed. Wow. Um, yeah, and something else happened. I forget what
0: now. And but he would have been about almost sixty years old at that point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he had, he ate. You know, he ate well. I mean, in his eyes, he liked you know hog moths and greens and barbecue and pies and whatnot <laughs> but he didn't drink and he didn't smoke but he ate well and he never rested he was always you know up and out doing this and doing that
0: well maybe he burned himself out just a little early
1: I think so. And they they think that when he got to Puerto Rico, the the heat was too much also.
0: Oh, he actually went with Duffy's Tavern to Puerto Rico. I thought he quit just before they went to Puerto Rico, but okay. No,
1: we all went.
0: We all went. You went too? I went too. Do you remember anything (laughs) about it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just that you were in Puerto Rico when you were very young.
1: And, and mom told me, you know, we were in Puerto Rico. They, they had a big storm while we were there. And um, she had a, you know, a maid and they, I don't know. I don't remember anything. But when I was at the Mormon church on Santa Monica Boulevard, the guy that was helping me with the genealogy found the passenger list from the ship that brought us back from Puerto Rico to New York. And my name was on it. (laughs) So that's how you
0: knew you were there. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't remember it, but you saw your name on there, so you were there. I saw
1: my name. I started screaming in in their little library. (laughs) I was like,
0: Oh my god, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I actually did go to Puerto Rico.
1: <laughs> and I was on a ship. I was on the SS Puerto Rico ship. <laughs> oh. And the guy that was helping me was surprised because he said, and you guys went first class.
0: Yeah, well said, if you were with a if you're with a famous popular radio show, you should go first exactly. class.
1: Exactly. And, well, too, you know, I think he was black. You know, I was a black guy in first class. That was a big deal in 1948. <laughs> yeah,
0: un- unfortunately, yes, but I'm glad to hear that they they let him go first class. That That's good.
1: That's right. So, yeah, I was on the ship going there, and I was on the ship coming back. And then um, we landed in New York. And uh, they took Eddie straight to the hospital, but no, he went to some hotel that where they used to all the blacks used to go to this one hotel. I can't think of the name of it right now. But my mom said that the man who played Sherlock Holmes,
0: Basil Rathbone. Yes, Basil Rathbone.
1: He was the last person to see Eddie before Eddie was put into the hospital.
0: And what was the circumstances regarding that? Why did Basil Rathbone see him?
1: He was just a friend of Eddie's.
0: Oh, okay, another friend of Eddie's, and he must have been in New York when he came in and and visited him in the hotel or exactly. in the hospital or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He had a lot of people come up to the hotel because people knew that he was ill. So, but he even got up out of his sick bed and tried to go to a a nightclub, and somebody had to bring him back to the hotel.
0: <laughs> wow. Dedicated yeah. all the way to the end to the, the, all the, the show way. business. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I as I was researching the book, I found that Eddie knew a lot of people. And there are a lot of people, black, white, and otherwise, who were quite successful during the early 1900s that you don't you don't hear about anymore. You know, Eddie and um, Ernest Whitman can be seen on YouTube uh, in a, a video put up where they're singing One Meatball.
0: Yeah, I know that Some, song. The Andrews sisters made that popular too.
1: Well, I looked up the guy who wrote it, Zy Gott. Zaret. Okay. I think his last name was Yeah. And he had a wonderful life, a wonderful story. But whoever hears about him, you know? And Well,
0: he doesn't have a daughter he didn't have a daughter as dedicated to doing this (laughs) as you were for your father.
1: I know, but you know, it's just that when I started this process to to do this book for Edward, I realized that no, Eddie is a good example for a lot of people who who think, for whatever reason, they can't do something. Right. You know, and for for a black man born in 1891, Eddie became successful. He toured in the South in 1919. He had a his own deluxe players. They toured in the South. One of the women that he wanted to, that he had in his movies, when he made movies, uh, lived to be 106. She just died, and I met her while good. I was
0: researching this book. Great that you got to meet her.
1: Oh, my God. But, you know, there's, I just think that my father is a good example of what a person can achieve, you know, no matter the obstacles. I was just blown away with with everything that
0: I learned about him. Well, that's magnificent. You You wrote a magnificent book. Again, the title of the book is Eddie Green, The Rise of an Early 1900s Black American Entertainment Pioneer. And it's written by Miss Elva Green, who's been very kind and generous to appear here with me on the good old days of radio show for the last two weeks. We heard uh, Duffy's Tavern last week. Uh, with her father on it, and we heard Amos and Andy this week. And that gives the audience a really great representation of Mr. Green's work. And I encourage anybody who wants to know more to get a copy of the book. You can get it on Amazon, Amazon amazon.com. Um,
1: and Barnes and & Noble.
0: Oh, is that still around? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I know, and, I'm joking.
1: And, <laughs> and my publisher, Bear Manor Media.
0: Bear Manor Media has been responsible for a lot of books related to vintage radio, and they've done a great job in, in getting authors, of a platform there to write about vintage radio. So, yeah, Bear Manor Books, you can go to their website and get the the book. You can go to Amazon yes. and get the book. And where was the other place? Oh, Bar- uh, <laughs> Barnes and & and Noble. Noble. Barnes & Noble, the bookstore and that, my- that still exists.
1: And Yes, and I just got a card. They're also carrying my newest book, The Jeffersons.
0: Ah, well then, yeah, if you want to read about the 1970s, it's 1970s, yeah, um, Norman Lear television show, The Jeffersons, which is was a spinoff to All in the Family, that's another interesting time period in history, and those shows were classics for their time as well. And you've taken your time to write a book on, on, on The Jeffersons, and then you're also working on one on uh, Maud and Good Times, right? Right. So for all these younger folk that listen to this podcast, and there are lots of them, believe me. Yeah. Yeah. We we have the old timers who like the old time radio shows, but I gear this podcast to the younger people. We want to play shows that are really good and grab their attention and get them interested in this time period uh, in American entertainment history. So
1: exactly.
0: thank you so much for appearing on the good old days of radio show today. Thank you for being a wonderful, magnificent representation of your father and um, for what you did thank to you. For what you did to keep his name out there and, and wrote a, a great book about him. So folks go get the book and Miss Elva green. Thank you for appearing on the good old days of radio show.
1: And thanks for having me, John.
0: All right, very good. We'll be back next week with more comedy, drama, or variety. And we'll be uh, on Thursdays with more weird suspense and shows like that. So until then, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days of Radio Show saying th- thank you for listening and goodbye.